Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 5, verses 17 through 24. Don't even think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come away to do with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, not the smallest letter, even the smallest stroke of the pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they are in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they'll be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore... If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember something that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Jesus is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Last week, we read the story of Jesus' baptism in chapter 3 of Matthew. And after that story that we read, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days where he is tempted, resists temptation by reciting back to the devil scripture. When he leaves the wilderness and comes back around people, he finds out that John had been arrested And he begins to go about and to proclaim good news. It sounds very much like what John was saying. Repent, Jesus says, repent. But Jesus adds, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Change, turn around, change. You need to to live differently, think differently, act differently, allow God to transform your desires differently. Because the kingdom of heaven is here. It has come near. After, after Jesus preaches some, we, we, we read that, that he, he goes into Galilee and specifically to the town of Zebulun so that Matthew can tell us one more time, Jesus did this to fulfill the scripture. He recites a a verse from Isaiah and says, one more time, Jesus did this to fulfill scripture. That brings us to seven times when Matthew says, Jesus did this to fulfill scripture. Seven times. Like not only is Jesus the Torah, but Jesus is the beginning of a new creation Seven days of creation, and these words that Jesus is teaching, this life that Jesus is giving is a new, new creation. He calls followers 
Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and he keeps on going about the countryside, telling this good news of the kingdom of God. Change your hearts, change your minds, because the kingdom of God has drawn near, and crowds begin to follow. I mean, he's out there in, in, in farmland, in places between cities, in Galilee, where there's not much to any town in Galilee. They say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But they can pretty much say that of any town in Galilee. And, and yet the crowds, crowds begin to follow him. He heals those who are afflicted with disease and pain, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and the crowds follow. We're told that at that point he walks up a mountain and sits down. And disciples go and join him. There's two things you may not have noticed in those words that are packed. The disciples follow him. We won't be calling the twelve until later. A disciple would be anyone who follows, who wants to hear what he has to say, who wants to hear what Jesus has to say and not just hear it, but live it. Because in Jesus, in Jesus, they are finding there is something more than ordinary words. In Jesus, they are finding there's healing, there's life, there's life. The second thing that's unusual about this is not just that, that these, they're calling, Matthew is calling those who follow Jesus up, up this mountain as disciples, but he sits down, which is the way that a rabbi teaches. This carpenter, this person who is untrained, takes on the role of a rabbi. In the synagogue, most people are sitting on the floor except for the rabbi who sits in a chair above everyone and teaches. And that way everyone can hear what the rabbi has to say. Well, Jesus sits and teaches. And Matthew is just hinting with a little bit of a language. They heard something in him. He's acting like a rabbi teaching the Torah. A rabbi who's been trained by another rabbi who's been trained by another rabbi who's been trained by another rabbi and has been certified at least twice by those that this one is someone who has authority and can teach. And this carpenter seems to have authority because he teaches in an unusual way. He seems to be adding to Torah? You've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I say to you, anyone who's angry is doing that. Anyone who calls their neighbor a fool is doing just that. That it's murder of your own soul. There are heavenly consequences consequences, hellish consequences of calling someone a fool, of dismissing someone and seeing them as less than human. There are consequences in the ways we treat our brothers and sisters. We said a few weeks ago when I got all geeky that there are five 
sermons in the Gospel of Matthew, like, like, like Jesus is the new Torah, an extension of the Torah, we, we said that Matthew all the time is saying that Jesus fulfills the Torah. And we read that today. Jesus saying, I did not come to do away with any of the Torah. I came to fulfill it. It's like, can you read blueprints? Because I cannot. I look at a blueprint and a map and, and I cannot imagine the home, the building, the design, what it's going to look like in, in person. And, and yet when you see it, when the plans are filled out, when they come to the fulfillment of what they're meant to be, oh, you can look back and say, oh, that's what that line meant. Oh, that's what that little squiggly thing there meant. Oh, that's why there was a little box there in that room. And It's like you can see what was meant to be after the fact. And Jesus says, we've got the Torah. That's a blueprint, a plan for who you were created to be. And you can look to see what that looks like by looking at me, by looking at me, by listening to my words. Jesus begins his teaching with words of blessing. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, who are meek. Those who hunger and thirst for right relationships. For those who show mercy, they'll receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Even blessings for those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. There's the kingdom of God. And it is drawn near. And here in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, the kingdom of God is drawing near. It's drawing near to people, people who have nothing. People who are poor and not just poor, so beaten down that they're poor in spirit. People who work every day not knowing if there will be enough. People who live in a twister world. You know that game twister? You, you spin the spinner and it lands on a color and, and it lands on a, on a part of the body and it says move, <laughs> move. Move that right hand to a red dot, the left hand to a, a blue dot, your left foot to a green dot. Bend over and bend yourself, all shapes and forms. Bend and move and twist. Bend over the other people on the mat and, 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 and bend and put your right foot in that spot that that foot is supposed to be. Bend and twist and keep on and contort your trunk and flip like a crab walking. That's sometimes a good way to play twister. Or sometimes downward dog. But whatever that spinner says, you got to do it. And just try and keep your balance. Just try and keep your balance. Right hand blue. Well, there's a tax collector at the road crossing who wasn't there yesterday, but he's there now, and you're going to have to move in a different way. Left foot yellow. 
Well, the Pharisees have decided that not working on Sunday and honoring the Sabbath means not pitching more grain than you can eat. But there's more than you and your family. Left-hand green, the farm on which you have lived for generations, has been sold by the owner to a neighbor could not afford to pay the Roman taxes, and you're let go. It's not personal. Just how the world is working. Left foot green, fishing all night, and nothing, nothing in the nets. Right foot blue, the child is sick, and you're trying to decide, can I go to work? Do I stay at home? Left hand green. And you wake up and you can't feel anything in your hand. And you start dropping things. And you're not sure sure what's going on. And there's no control at times. It seems like there is no control. And that is to whom Jesus is speaking. People who have come to the realization that they have no control in life. They've brought people who are sick. They've come because they needed healing. There was nowhere else to go. No control in their lives. He's talking to people who have lost farms to taxes, lost jobs, day laborers who have no homes. He's talking to people for whom there is no support system. And he tells them, you are blessed. You are blessed. Others, others seem to have it all figured out. There's the Pharisees and who, who have figured out that if we can just follow the law, follow Torah more closely. And maybe, if, since we're not sure, maybe we'll even do more than the law says just to make sure we're following it correctly. If we could all do this, then God would bring about the kingdom. God would bring about the kingdom and, and we would have that good life again. And then there are the, the Sadducees who get real. Get real. Rome is here. Rome's more powerful. Rome's here to stay. We might as well just go along and get along. There are Essenes who say, well, I don't like this. I don't think people are living the way they should. I don't think people are following the law. And, and, and I don't think anybody else is doing it right. So we're just going to go out into the, the middle of the wilderness ourselves and start a commune together. And, and we're just going to ignore everybody else and, and start our own little faithful community where, where we will keep the faith and despite what everybody else is doing. They're the zealots who head for the mountains with the weapons that they can get and they're going to do something. All of these groups have some sense of control. We'll follow the law and make God bring the kingdom. We'll head for the hills and make Rome leave with our, with our forces, our, our, our resistance. But those who gather with Jesus on the mountain, they have no control. And blessed are the meek, 
doesn't realize they have nothing. They're not in control. Truly, we all know that at some level, do we not? We're not in control. We don't have the final say. But we don't always act like it. Lean on God the way we should. Even lean on others the way we should. Jesus looks out at the crowd and says, Blessed, you are blessed. You are blessed. Imagine him raising his hand the way a priest would. Given the Aaronic benediction, you're blessed. Go in peace. Be blessed. Looking at them and saying, you may not realize it, but in losing everything, there is now room for the one who marry, who matters. In experiencing this pain, there is now a willingness to look for help instead of helping helping yourself. Michael J. Fox talks about um, the time when he woke up in the, the middle of the night because his finger was tapping the back of his head and it wouldn't stop. And that's when he realized that, that something was happening, and it was the first symptom of Parkinson's disease. He considered himself a successful person, and he was. He'd been on that family ties show for ages, and then all those Back to the Future series. Every time you turn around, there's another Back to the Future. And but he writes a book about the experience. Lucky me. Lucky me, because he realizes that Parkinson's was a gift, a blessing. Being sick is not a blessing in and of itself. He knows that. But blessings come from the surprising, surprising places. And for him, it was this Parkinson, because when he got sick, he began to realize that there was more than himself. Before Parkinson's, he focused solely on himself, on his career, on, on who he loved, and on becoming more successful. He had built his life and lacked nothing. And then when he was sick, he realized he couldn't control everything. He was in need. Blessed. Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit. This is the Torah. It's relationships. Understanding who you are and not thinking too highly of yourself. Understanding who you are and who's in control and who's not. Understanding the relationships, times like sickness, times like job loss, make you realize who is important in your life. Relationships with God, 
relationships with other people. And so Jesus says, you know, you know, you've heard it said. But I tell you, your relationships, all of them matter. And if you're taking an offering to God, if you're on your way to worship, and you realize that there's someone who's angry at you, you just stop what you're doing. You go back and you make it right. You make it right. Because you can't worship God and know that someone's angry at you and you're not doing anything about it. And you can't hold anger yourself. That's as bad as murder, he says. To hold that grievance. I remember, I remember when I was the chair of the finance committee at a church, we'd gone through some horrific financial struggles and, and things had settled and, and people were ready, ready to make a change in the church building. This church met in what had been an insurance building and they had moved out. And this church, this church is the only, only church I've ever been at that had enough female restrooms because it's mostly female, female clerks in the insurance building. But one thing it didn't have was comfortable chairs or a sanctuary that felt like a sanctuary. It had a very large conference room that we were using and, and removed the walls to make it even bigger for a sanctuary. But the chairs, I tell you, they're left over, I think, from some school. And, and even us younger people, when we sat on those chairs after about an hour, our backs were hurting and people were ready, ready to remodel the sanctuary, ready to buy some decent chairs that felt good where you could sit, where you could sit comfortably for an hour, ready to make the room feel like it was welcoming, a place of reverence, a place of hope. So we had estimates and plans drawn up, and our trustees were busy about what it would take to change out the lighting fixtures and put, put chairs in the room. And, and, well, each chair did not cost $300, but if you took the, the costs of the renovations and you divided them by the number of chairs, it was about $300 per chair. So we were asking everyone in the, in the, in the church to give $300, buy a chair, and buy one for the people in your family, and buy one for a guest. Because this is about more than us. I disagreed. I thought the church, the church's greatest, greatest call is to help others. And I fumed. I'd been finance chair. I had worked hard, and they weren't listening to me. And I was not happy about it. But people gave, and I kind of looked down, maybe even called some of them fools for giving $300 for a chair. Hellish intentions. And finally, the day came when Sweet Pat sent me an email. He was chair of the trustees. He sent me an email saying, we have all the funds. Everything's in place. I need you to write a check and send it 
as the down payment to our contractor. And he sent me that email with the amount and the bill. And I wrote back. I wrote back everything everything that I was thinking or feeling because you know when you are harboring those thoughts that just bubble up they're going to bubble up too high they're going to come out your mouth or they're going to come out in your email and I wrote Pat that the church is about healing the sick and helping the poor and that for $300 you could save a life there were places in this world where $300 would buy the nets for malaria there were places in this world where $300 would pay enough for a polio victim to get that polio vaccine that $300 would save a life and you may you may look out at this sanctuary and you may see a beautiful welcoming room but I'm going to look out in this sanctuary and I'm going to see dead people Every chair is a dead person. And then I pressed send. And I felt good. Until about two minutes later, when the pastor of the church called and said, Cindy, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Blessed are the humble, the meek, who understand that their own way may not be the way. There's this kingdom of God to give up what you want and say, Thy will be done. Well, that's Torah fulfilled. Jesus praying in the garden, not my will, but thine. Would you pray with me?